we're going to be doing the book of Philippians. This is going to be a fair amount of reading, but it's a fairly short book. And it was just a letter. So the Philippian church is considered the birthplace of the European Christianity. It was the gateway going from the Asia area up into Europe. And so that's why they call it, that's where Paul first ministered to the people there. And they became Christians. And it was the gateway for the European Christianity. This book is also probably the most personal of Paul's letters that we have. We call it a book with chapter and verse, but it's actually a single letter. We've created it as a book for our better study of it. Um, we can refer to chapters and verses to know where we're talking rather than just, yeah, in the letter it said this. In here also are a lot of notable sayings to live by for both then and today. At this time, however, I would like us to ponder Paul's joy and as well as theirs. So, starting with Philippians chapter 1, verses, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making request for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it, as, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and in all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to, to the glory and praise of God. The letter starts with Paul's customary greeting of grace and peace. From there, he goes on and he shares of the joy he has for knowing them. He offers his every prayer for them with joy and explains that it is because they regularly share with him in ministry. For this reason, he feels a right to rejoice as it said in verse 7, just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. So, he's referring to their, their sharing, but I don't believe it was just the physical sharing. I believe it is also their dialogue sending letters or messages back and forth. Paul was concerned about them as a people and wanted to make sure that 
They were growing in the Lord, just as the pastor does for his church. It was the church that Paul started after all. He left somebody else in charge of it, but he did start it and he has concerns over the people there. So now I'm going to continue on verse 12. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident of my, by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from even, or from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from a selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. <clears throat> but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the sup- supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. But with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Here Paul is proceeding to explain to them that where he is being in prison, it is for the furtherance of the gospel. He is telling them that, for one, he has a captive audience. He has all those guards who keep coming and going, who have to stay with him, and he can keep talking to them. Whether he talks to them all directly, or if they're hearing the message as he talks to, in this case it's Epaphroditus and Timothy, we'll see, primarily, who who go back and forth. But the various people of the church who come and visit him and bring him things. Prison then was not the same as it is now, but we'll not go there. <laughs> but his, his audience, being those guards, it says in here that it was the palace guard. In other versions, it says that it was the praetorian guard. Either way, these guards were Caesar's guards. They were like our secret service. So they were high-level guards who were learning of the gospel. And it says that they realized that he's in there because of Christ. It had no, nothing else, no fault that he did. But because of his message, he's in prison. What they learned from that, we will find out when we get to heaven. Some we know do believe. He also goes on speaking about the gospel being taught by others that some are doing it out of love and some are doing it out of envy and strife. Those out of love because they care about the people that that are around them. The others are doing it because they want to make a jab at Paul. 
I'm out here doing this, getting the attention, not you. But Paul, he says, I rejoice. The gospel is being preached. That's all that matters. And that's something that we always need to remember. It is whether the gospel is being preached or not. In verse 18, the latter part of it, it says, And in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. And so, he is very excited that it's still going out, no matter who it is that's doing it. As we continue on, verse 21. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ and my coming to you again. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation, and that from God. For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me, and now here is in me. In this section, Paul is speaking of what he considers would be the benefit of death, that is, if he is executed. But he recognizes the joy that they would share one with another if he remains, whether it is one-to-one, you know, in person, because he speaks of wanting to see them again, but he doesn't know for sure that that will happen. Or if it's just by their correspondence as they have been getting along. He continues with reminding them to behave in a manner worthy of Christ. Or being called by his name. So, behave in a manner worthy of being called by his name. We are Christians. And that should be a concern that we have, that we think about how we represent ourselves to all those around us. As we continue chapter 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. 
Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. In this passage, he is calling for the Philippians to make his joy full or complete. He tells them to do as he has done. To surrender themselves fully to the Spirit's leading. To share one with another out of the abundance of love that God provides you. To work in your... To work... To allow Him to work through you His purpose that others will see and say that there is no bad thing, bad character, bad flaw in that person. And that's what He's longing for them to do. And in this, He sees that He would have full joy, a fullness of joy. He tells them to do as He has done to follow Jesus' example and choose to be fully devoted to God. Just as Jesus laid down his life for those who did not call him friend, he's saying we must also, or he's telling them to also surrender themselves to the whims and needs of others. Not every whim. You don't want to just you know, flop, flop around like a fish for anything, but to serve in a manner that Christ has called you. Continuing verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. For the same reason, you also be glad and rejoice with me. 
Here he is expounding further about Jesus and that living this way, we will have a fellowship of joy with Jesus of whom every knee ever created will bow. Also that living this way gives God pleasure. I'm going to read that again. It is verse 13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. There is a saying, happy wife, happy life. I hear that among a lot of men. I don't know about the women saying anything like that. But just think, happy God. Wow. What would life be if God was always happy with you? Continuing verse 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Yet I considered it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, a fellow worker and fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need, since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I sent him the more eagerly, that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. At this point of the letter, Paul is speaking of his fellow workers, and as I said before, primarily it is Timothy and Epaphroditus. It also appears that Epaphroditus from these verses, has been running errands back and forth that he came from Philippi. And so he's been bringing things because the the prisoners of any jail there have to be ministered to. The, the government does not provide your sustenance, does not provide your warmth. So people, whether family or friends, need to provide these things. And it sounds as if Timothy and Epaphroditus were primarily the two going back and forth and doing this for him, taking care of all of these things that Paul may have need of, food to eat, blankets for warmth, maybe even wood for a fire. I don't know what things were needed there. All I know is that these are the guys that provided them. 
But he, they also ran messages back and forth from the various groups. Around the city were little outcroppings of churches, I'm sure, whether from Timothy and Epaphroditus teaching or if Paul got to speak to them before, I don't know. But I know that these fellows were running back and forth to share the greetings of what's taking place. Um, it also speaks of Epaphroditus as being a faithful servant and that the Philippians should receive him as such, a man worthy of his hire. So moving on into chapter 3. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for, t- for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these things I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, yet, yeah, yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who, walk, who so walk. As you have us for a pattern, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. 
For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. I know that was a longer passage, but it all goes together. And Paul is reminding them to rejoice in the Lord. He doesn't mind repeating himself for their encouragement to walk with the Lord and warns them of false teachers. He then proceeds with his attributes of the things that he's accomplished and his characters from that he had no control over of birth. But when he learns of Jesus, not just hears about him, but learned of him, he finds that they count for nothing. All of those things that he worked so hard for don't qualify for anything. And that his struggle for righteousness through the law, can be that it could be traded for a perfect righteousness of God through faith in Christ, he rejoiced. To learn that we don't have to work our way into heaven, which is what he had always done. He trusted in the flesh. He trusted in all these things about his characteristics. But he learned that it is not through our might, but through the blood of Christ that we have righteousness, that we have hope, and that there is life. He would do his duty, but any joy was always fleeting. And in Christ, he learned that heaven is our home. Not just a place we long for, but it's a place we will be. So continuing on, chapter 4. Therefore, my beloved, and long for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Iodia, and I implore Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren... Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. In this last portion of the letter, Paul describes the Philippians as his joy and his crown. 
they are a people that he was directly responsible for their coming to know the Lord and rejoices to see their development and growth, both physical and spiritual. Through messengers such as Epaphroditus, he's learned these things because it does speak of Epaphroditus bringing encouragement to him as well as whatever things from the from the church of, of Philippi. So we know that there is those messages that are taking place that way. And he's sending Epaphroditus back again. He also tells them not to worry because God has it all under control. And he is somebody who is able to say such a thing. Remember, he's in jail. He is chained to guards. He has no control over anything that takes place in his life at this time. Also, which isn't mentioned in this book, we, we know that he has been in various shipwrecks and survived them. He has been arrested and beaten many other times and even left for dead at one time. But he is still here. So he knows that God is in control. Continuing from verse 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you, Philippians, know also that the beginning of the gospel, or in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. Epaphrodite, uh, I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So in closing his letter here, Paul recaps the blessings that he's received from the Philippians and rejoices in their remembrance of him and tells them that all that they've given or done for the Lord's cause is not unnoticed by God. It was here that we see that even the Caesar's household are sending greetings so that there are others that are there who are believing People are coming to see why this man has been arrested. 
and locked up. And why they've got such a special guard over him since he has to be chained to them regularly. In my closing, I want to tell you that even though Paul sent this letter as either a pastor or as a missionary to a supporting church to encourage them regarding his circumstances, many of these verses still apply to us, actually all of them. Just change the names in there as needed, as we had the messengers who were running back and forth, as there were people in the church who Paul, the women, namely, who Paul was correcting, called him out by name. Um, he's asking for everybody to be united. This was written for them back then, but it is for us today. We too need to be of the same heart. We too need to choose life in Christ. The only thing that will give joy the only thing that brings peace. Notice in his greeting, he says grace and peace. And Pastor Norma said it many times. You can't have peace without grace. So the grace has to come first. And it is through Christ's grace that we have life at all. It was what he did on the cross that gave us any hope. So he's written to remind us of our part, our joy in sharing with the missions we support, which we do support a few different missions, both local, you know, um, here in our state, and as well as international, foreign, domestic and foreign. That's the two words I was looking for. So, and you may also support missions on your own individually. If so, what he's reminding us is that even though we are not there doing this work, we are taking part in it. The reward is also ours. And in all of this, there are some key verses that I want to go back over again. So going back to chapter 1. These are things that we need to learn to live by. So chapter 1, verse 27. There's many other than the ones that I'm doing right now, but these are ones I wanted to bring out. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That's the first part of it. And the very end of it. That you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. So, our conduct should be worthy of being called a Christian. And we should be of the same mind to further the glory of God. In chapter 2, starting with verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy 
by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Again, to have full joy is unity among the brethren, among the, the body, the people. We use brethren generically, but it is for all of us. Also in verse 13, so chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And I spoke about that before, but there's just such an awesome thought to think about him working in us, not because we need him, but because he wants to. It is for his pleasure that we serve him and that he will work in us and through us. He provides, he strengthens, he heals. So whatever's happening with the Harveys right now, God is in control. We see it as a suffering. I know that Matt, he actually rejoices. He gets to speak to a lot of people. So there is a purpose, and it has just been a light affliction in his mind. And he, I'm thankful for his attitude in that. Also in chapter 3, verse 13, actually 13 through 16. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So, here he's saying, what's happened in the past is already history. Forget it. Today is a new day. Let's continue forward. Let's have our minds set together towards Christ, towards the goal, the upward calling to live uprightly before him. And then in chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Nothing needs to be added. Just rejoice. It is God who is in love with us that we should love Him too. Chapter, uh, verse 13 now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Again, that goes back to us trusting in Christ, trusting in God, and knowing that He does His good pleasure in us. So all things that we need to do, we can do through Christ. It is He who gave His life for us that we can live it. I'm going to go back to verses 8 and 9 right now. And He says, Finally, brethren, Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, 
whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you.